Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Joining me this week, I'm Aaron Johnson, and Jasper Apollonia is here with you as well. No Mike Inguilano, unfortunately. Look, the schedules are just not working out right now. Everyone's got something going on every day of the week. We're trying to make it work. We are we are shooting for next week to get the trio back together. We are going to do our best to make it happen because it does not feel right without the, the host of the show here. Mike, we miss you. You had a great piece on Palace of Pistons about Sadiq Bey come out last week. So if you guys didn't get a chance to check that out, go do that. Uh, he wrote about Sadiq Bey's improvements. It fall, Sadiq Bey followed that up with a couple of poor performances as soon as that article dropped, but he's now back to doing those good things that he was doing, had a 29-point game on Monday night against the Utah Jazz. We're going to get into all that and more, but Jasper, I mean, I haven't even let you talk yet. How are you doing today? I'm good. I mean, look, Mike, this is the uh, – Mike – Aaron, this is the the price we all pay for our popularity. Uh, it's hard to get the schedules going together, but here we are. We're making it work, and we. I'm very glad we decided to record early today instead of late last night because we would have missed a really, really fun Pistons win over the Jazz, a, a win in which Cade Cunningham looked every single bit the number one pick. Uh, that was a really fun game last night. I do also wish we had Mike with us as well. Aaron, you too had a really good article come out on Palace of Pistons today um, about Jeremy Grant, probably some more unpopular opinion among the fan base. You believe he shouldn't be traded. You said it last week on the podcast, uh, and you're backing it up with your words today. So that is something that people should check out as well as Mike's Sadiq Bay piece. We're going to have more stuff coming to you as well. And don't forget, we're still covering the cruise. So uh, lots of stuff on palaceofpistons.com that everybody should definitely, definitely be looking at. Um, but Aaron, last night's game, how much fun was that? It was, it was a lot of fun. And we're absolutely going to have a bunch more coverage on Palace of Pistons. Cruiser on a road trip right now they're due back into Detroit soon so hopefully have some coverage from there they just picked up uh, a former piston in a sense Marcus Thornton who if you remember was oh, I remember. traded to Detroit as part of the Donatus Montiunis trade uh, oh in, I was it, 2016 2017? Aaron Aaron I cannot properly I believe it was 2016 uh they were gearing up for that first playoff run in the Stan Van Gundy era and let me tell you I was so excited for that trade. Weren't we all? I was the biggest Montahunis slappy alive. And then, uh, of course, two years later, I completely forgot all about who he was. But <laughs> that's, that's the NBA, right? He was a Piston <clears throat> along with Thornton. They were both Pistons for, what, 
24, 48 hours before the trade got rescinded after a failed physical. But Thornton is now part of the Motor City Cruise, was picked up uh, just on Monday, and he played for them. Actually, I believe he had 22 points off the bench or 18 points, something like that, um, for the Cruise in their win. They're 3-0 to start off their second portion of the regular season, or maybe this is the first part. I don't even know. The G League doing it a little bit different this year. But let's get back to some Pistons talk. Before we do that, let's hear a little bit about our sponsor this week, Bet Online a proud partner of the Palace of Pistons podcast and bet online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for this, for the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all basketball and now playoff football action this season. Head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe 50 B L E A V five zero to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game begins. And not just the 2021 season, because we're into 2022 now. It's a whole new year. You've got a clean slate to start betting. You're not in the negative, maybe you are by now, now that we're about a week and a half into 2022, but you should have a cleaner slate. Unfortunately, mine got off to a bad start, but oh. that's not going to stop me from being on bet online and betting all the different spread scores and more. So definitely make sure to check them out. Use our promo code believe 50 again for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, let's get in to what I was going to say. Aaron, I had a fun time betting last night because I bet on that Pistons second half money line at uh, minus 400 or sorry, plus 400, which was, let's just say, a good decision on my part. It was it was plus 500 pregame. Yeah. And I was thinking about betting on the Utah spread, which would have looked good throughout the first quarter. But then the Pistons turned it around. So let's talk about the Pistons. I mean, they had just won two games. Then they had a couple of ugly, ugly losses. And then they went another two. They beat the Magic on Saturday in a slugfest, 97-92. And then, again on Monday, beat the Jazz 126-116. The, the Magic win, good. Maybe there's something we t- want to talk about with that. But I think both of us kind of probably want to focus on the Jazz game. Cade, 29 points and eight assists. Sadiq Bay, 29 points and six rebounds. A really good win for the Pistons, even though the Jazz were down Rudy Gobert, that, that's still a better team with or without him. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're right. That Orlando Magic game, that was just like a slugfest. Somebody had to win, and therefore the Pistons won. Uh, if they were facing a quality opponent, I don't think they would have won that game. Their effort wasn't great. Uh, they certainly didn't, didn't look very good, but things were a totally different story against the Jazz. Um I mean, we're starting to get to that point with Cade Cunningham where there's enough of a sample size to where you can look at him in context of being up against other greats. Um, you can even look at him in the context of this season. That 20, you know, 25 points, five rebound or five assist games. Cade Cunningham this year, he's got four. The rest of the NBA combined rookies, two. The amount of games with 20 points and five assists, Cade Cunningham, five. The rest of the NBA rookies, five. So he's getting to the point right now where you're starting to see the difference between Cade and everybody else in this rookie class. His ceiling is so, so high. And last 
last night in the second half, the third quarter especially, that was the Cape Cunningham show. And wow, was that a lot of fun to watch. Uh, 18 points in the third quarter. He started off without missing a shot in the entire quarter, five for five for 15 points, uh, finished with 18. The fourth quarter, he wasn't as explosive offensively, but he had some huge plays in the clutch, nailed a three, put uh, Bogdanovich on skates. I mean, had that man leaning back like it was a Fat Joe uh, music video. Uh, And then he comes out and he blocks the last shot, Mike Conley shot, or sorry, yeah, it was Mike Con- Conley shot to give the the Jazz any sort of a semblance at a chance of winning. Kate Cunningham comes out there, blocks it, slows it down. Um, it it was a masterclass from him in the second in the second half, and wow, it just like goes to show you exactly what this guy can be for this team moving forward. He showcased just. Everything. I mean, defensively, he was phenomenal last night. And I don't think he gets a lot of love for what he does defensively, but he really impacts the game on that side of the court. He is always moving. I mean, there was someone tweeted out a defensive possession. I think it was, uh, I can't remember who did it, but someone tweeted out a defensive possession from last night where he just flew around and impacted the play on the ball at three different points throughout the possession on, with three different players having the ball in their hands. And that's the kind of stuff he does. You mentioned he had the big late game block. He's one of the leaders in steals for all amongst all rookies. He gets, you know, so much pressure and so much critique for what he does on the offensive end. While people really don't talk about the way that he impacts the game for the Pistons defensively. And yesterday I think was a masterclass of that. He took a lot of pride in his matchup against Donovan Mitchell, who he spent a lot of the night guarding. And while Mitchell did score 31, it's not like he did so on amazing efficiency or anything of that imagination. He really didn't have all that great of a game. He was 11 of 25 from the floor. He got a couple shots to go late. But for most of that game, going into the fourth quarter, he was struggling. And that's going to be a largely part due to Cade Cunningham. Offensively, Cade's been on a little bit of a rough stretch pretty much dating back to the Milwaukee game. He hasn't been the greatest on that side of the floor since he exited health and safety protocols. But last night he started the game all five and it's like the second half. He was a new man. He just forgot about it. He shaked it off. And that's one of the more encouraging things because that's not something that we're used to seeing out of a lot of Pistons. Like if a guy starts slow, most of the time he's going to have a rough game. It just seems like that's the way it is. But Cunningham has that, that confidence that, quiet but effective swagger about him and he just he forgets about the last play he's never shy to shoot it uh he was great I mean he he won the Pistons of that game yesterday and Sadiq Bey came alive as well to help him do that I just thought that was up there with one of the best Pistons games all year no there's there's no question he's the reason they won that game played 38 minutes uh he probably should have played more to be honest I you know, I know he came out for like a, a four minute stretch uh, to start the fourth quarter. I I said last night, I didn't think he should have left the floor at all. He should have played the entire second half. Uh, he was that crucial to what they were doing. And it's, it's not a surprise that once he left the floor, Utah was able to fight their way back in, into the game. And you're totally right, Aaron. He started off the game. That first half was not a pretty first half for Cade. In, in fact, I think you could say the, the backcourt, him and Killian Hayes, 
it was one of their weaker performances as a duo. Uh, but that was a completely, completely different story in the second half. Cade completely took over. He was the best player on the floor. And you're right. It was pretty much at both ends. He was the best player for the Pistons. Um, you know, and, and his, his defense on Mitchell was so crucial because the Pistons had no answer for Hassan Whiteside in the paint. Um, it, that was really kind of embarrassing at a certain point uh, in the first half where, I mean, Trey Lyles wasn't even trying to play defense on him. He was, he was just moving out of the way so he wouldn't pick up more fouls. Uh, that, that was really rough. And you thought at that point, you know, this is going to be a really ugly, ugly, tough game. But as you said, Aaron, Cade came out in the second half. He put everything behind him and he just played his game and he did it in the way that he does every game. And this is the thing that you love about Cade Cunningham. This is the thing you want from a number one overall pick is he's never rattled. He's always in it. He is even keeled. Yes. Sometimes he'll get a little frustrated at the refs because they won't give him the foul calls that he probably should be getting. Um, but then you look at it and he is just, He's a cool customer, man. He's never shaken by anything. You can throw two, three defenders at him. He's usually going to make the right play. Um, I, I think if there's one criticism I would have of Cade's game last night, still too many turnovers. And unfortunately, a couple of them just come down to like bad reads and just kind of lazy passing. That's still something he needs to, to clean up. But you said it, Aaron. Uh, he won them that game last night. Detroit has won four of their last six back-to-back -back wins, a pair of ugly losses, and then another set of back-to-back -back wins. And they're going to get healthier. They're going to get a couple key players back relatively soon, it sounds like. Kelly Olenek is back with the team on the bench. That's something we have not seen in a while. And they've talked about how he is set to come back uh, after suffering an injury only, what, nine games into the season? And Frank Jackson, who's been in health and safety protocols, should be coming out of those soon as well if everything is going as planned in that regard. We haven't heard a ton about him, but would imagine he's due back soon. Jeremy Grant's still out. He's probably not back until the end of the month, if not a week or two into February. Uh, but the Pistons are looking at getting a couple key pieces in Olenek and Jackson back rather soon. And are the Pistons maybe going to turn into at least a half decent team it'll be interesting Aaron because you saw it last night what really helped spark that win was not just Cade's play but it was and I'll give Rex Kalamian a lot of credit here it was the way that they it was the situation that they put him in where they had Lyles out on the floor basically standing in the corner just to keep Whiteside away from the paint to clear out for Cade Cunningham so he could work uh in isolation and that was the move Spreading out the floor was hugely, hugely important. They were way more effective with Lyles on the floor than they were with Isaiah Stewart. Um, because with Isaiah Stewart, all they had to do, the, the Hassan Whiteside and, and the Jazz, was pack the paint. Um, because they know that Stewart's not really a threat, a threat to shoot. Now you're getting Kelly Olynyk back. I think with the growth that Kate has already shown this year, I think if you add that in with a vastly, vastly superior option uh, in Kelly Olynyk to Trey Lyles. I don't think there's any disagreement on either of our parts on that one, yes. Um, 
when you add Kelly Olenek into there to space the floor, add more passing, uh, he's actually even more of an effective post scorer probably than Lyles is as well. I think if you add that back into here, I don't think there's any reason why they can't go on a little bit of a run. Um, I mean, you really saw it last night, especially when they're going up against teams with traditional bigs, just going five out as crazy as that sounds is kind of their best option. Because if you give Kate Cunningham a little bit of space to drive and he gets into the paint, it's over for the defense. He is, you are not going to lock him up once he is by the basket. He is too crafty, too quick, too clever, too skilled. He's going to get off his shot. And if he gets off his shot, he's probably going to score. Detroit made 19 threes against the Jazz. Uh, they shot 51% from the three point line. So it helped that guys were making shots for once. The Pistons are 29th in the NBA. So second to last in field goal percentage, three point percentage, and true shooting percentage. The only team worse than them in all three of those marks are the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I believe have more draft picks in the next two years than they do players on their roster. Um, I think getting Olenek and Jackson back could really open up some things because those are obviously going to be two of your better floor spacers, two of your better shooters. And like you said, just putting Lyles in the corner and, and dragging the big out of the paint defensively opened up a drive, a, a, an attack at the rim for Cunningham. And he's not been the best finishing against length this year, but if he's in a one-on-one against a guy his size, he can – he can make it work. I mean, we know how crafty he is. He's got a stutter step move. He's got a spin move. He is very patient when he goes at the basket. And I just think having a couple guys that are legitimate shooting threats out there is really going to help. And I just, I'm, I'm like somewhat seeing a path to where, yes, the Pistons are 10 games out of the 10th seed. I'm not talking about them being a play-in team. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But they might actually end up figuring some things out and just getting a little bit healthier, getting some of your best shooters back to pair with your elite guard. That just in itself should make them a much more sustainable team offensively to where maybe they're not going to shoot 50% from the three-point line every night. Maybe they're not going to make around 23-point shots every night. But they're going to have the floor spacing that's going to create different looks, open up the lane. It's just going to make the offense work better. And that is a large portion of the problem for Detroit. There are definitely nights where they're not in it defensively. But it's essentially every night that the offense is struggling. So having those two guys back will be really nice. And Olenek is not just a shooter by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he was doing a large portion of his work at the beginning of the season inside at the rim. So I think that's going to really help. It'll be really interesting to see how those two get to play together since they only got maybe a game or two together. I don't, I'd have to check the stats. I was looking at some of them uh, for my article that came out on on Jeremy Grant today, Uh, but Jeremy Grant, Kate Cunningham and Kelly Olenek do not have much experience on the court together. I'm forgetting if they even do it all because there's so much going on in my mind right now. And we're in the middle of a recording and I don't have it pulled up, but my, just my, my guess is they, they the have at least one. Together. Yeah. They, so I, I think they have like two games together. Yeah. I think Not it's much. rather minimal and having the opportunity to put your actual best players on the court together. Sounds like a 
pretty decent idea to figure out if all the pieces maybe work a little bit. And that Detroit just hasn't had that opportunity. Kate Cunningham was out to start the season. And right when he came back, Kelly Olynyk got hurt. And then another 10 or so games later, Jeremy Grant got hurt. So I think getting those guys healthy and seeing how those three throw in someone like Sadiq Bay, maybe, and I don't know who that fifth guy is. Maybe it is Frank Jackson. Seeing how your best players kind of fit together is a really intriguing option for a team that is starting to show some semblance of figuring it out. Um, but we also have to remember the Houston Rockets, who are another miserable team in the league, also went on a big win streak this year. So those kind of things also just happen in the NBA. Now the Rockets are back to losing by a lot most nights. So maybe this is just a little flash in the pan for the Pistons, but you got to hope it's not. And you got to hope that with getting some stable NBA players back in the fold soon, that'll help them because I mean, they're playing guys right now. I mean, Cassius Stanley played some minutes last night. He's a guy that's on a 10 day contract plays with the motor city crews. They were playing, you know, Luca Garza uh, for most of the games leading up to like the last two or three where he really hasn't played. Um, So they've played a lot of guys. I mean, they've, played Josh Jackson, who was struggling, and now he's starting to play better. But they were playing him because they just didn't have enough bodies, and now he's kind of played his way out of that slump, and he's playing much better basketball. He had another strong game last night. Uh, But the Pistons are going to get some legitimate NBA contributors back in the fold, and that's really going to help them, especially with you know someone like Killian Hayes, who's really struggling right now, Uh, at least offensively, I'd say. I still think he impacts the game well defensively, but offensively he's just really having a tough go at it getting some other guys where you can maybe play Kate at the one and put some more shooting out there alongside him uh, could open up some things for Detroit as well. But I guess let's move on since I wanted to talk about that in a more quicker sense, but I mean, we could probably talk about that topic alone for another half an hour, if not longer, I'm going to say, let's move into topic two. If you're good with that, let's do it, baby. The Pistons made a trade on Sunday night or excuse me, Sunday afternoon with the Denver Nuggets acquiring Bull Bull who's in his third NBA season for Rodney McGruder and the Brooklyn that second round draft pick in the upcoming 2022 NBA draft. First off, do you like the swing on a guy like Bobo? I mean, the Pistons really didn't give up much in a sense. McGruder, back end roster guy. He had been playing the last three or four games for Detroit just because they were down some bodies and whatnot. And then the Brooklyn that second round draft pick, probably going to be somewhere in the mid to late 50s. And even, you know, something like pick 60, obviously the last pick in the draft. Just your thoughts in general on taking that swing on Bull Bull, something that Troy Weaver has done now consecutively in each of his seasons with the Pistons. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth it. Um, you are giving up. I, I know people are going to say, oh, well, you know, Magruder's locker room presence, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. All that locker room presence has done is getting them nine wins so far. So it, it's not doing that much good for them. Uh, yeah, this is the type of move that you make when you're a really bad team. You trade minimal low risk assets for high reward assets. And that's exactly what bull bull is. Uh, There is a good chance. Bull bull is nothing. There's a good chance that he's not really much of a player. There's a really good chance that, and I'm not comparing him to, to Thon maker as a player. They're radically different players. Um, But there's a chance that, yeah, it's like a Thon maker type move where you just go, let's see what this guy has because He's seven foot two. He's got a seven, eight wingspan. He theoretically is one of those guys that should be able to not just run pick and roll a little bit uh, because he's seven foot two and can dunk, but he's also one of those guys who theoretically can shoot. Uh, he can block shots. 
He's obviously very long. He has good athleticism. Uh, so this is the type of move that, yeah, you make if you're a bad team because there's really no risk for you here. Like you said, it's the Brooklyn Nets second round pick. So it's not like you're trading one of your own, which would essentially be, you know, a late first rounder if you think about it. Um, yeah, it. this is a really nice trade. I think that this is something that might not turn out to be anything. Uh, Bull Bull could not crack the rotation in Denver, and they really could have used some help with their bigs. But at the same time, the Pistons, I mean, they're throwing Luka Garza out there. So what's the harm uh, to at least see what you have with Bull Bull? I think that he could work with Cade and Killian as a pick and roll, pick and pop threat on that second unit. Um, but yeah, I, I like the move. I don't see any real reason to be opposed to it. Um, and I see a lot of upside there. So for me, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm not sure you can really have much of an issue with this trade unless unless you really believe in Rodney McGruder or you think there's some guy that's going to be there at 55 and at the end of the draft that's worth taking. But, I mean, Bobo is 7-2. He was a major prospect at the collegiate level before he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. And, I mean, he's intriguing. Like, he's – He's just intriguing in a sense that the Pistons don't have anything like him on the roster. He's not necessarily a five, which is kind of odd because he's seven, two, and you would just kind of naturally think that he's honestly more of a four. And I know Denver even played him a little bit in lineups with like Jokic and another big. So he's kind of played a lot on the perimeter. Interestingly enough for someone, his size, it also doesn't help that he, when he's maybe 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, but I mean, 7-2 can jump. He's shown he likes to put the ball on the floor, take long, you know, he can put it on the floor and take threes, awkward drives to the rim. He's only played 328 minutes in two and a, you know, two seasons and whatever Denver has played, probably around what, 40 games. So he's not played a lot over the last two and a half years, but he's going to get that opportunity in Detroit. At least he should, you know, there's some time without a Linux. There's some even more time without Grant in the fold. This will be a perfect opportunity to get him in and just kind of see what he can do. And he also has spent time in the G league. So maybe the plan is to also get him some G league reps as well throughout this season. I don't hate the move. I don't know if I necessarily see a ton of upside, but there is definitely intrigue in a guy that is seven, two can play on the perimeter is freakishly tall can jump. I mean, the Pistons don't have a guy that can really be a role threat at the rim unless they started using Jeremy Grant in that way, but odds are they won't. So bull bull is interesting to me. I absolutely would have taken the same swing. If I was Troy Weaver, you're giving up a, a back end roster guy and a pick that won't really doesn't really have any value for something that you can play this year in a season where you're not winning and test it out, just like they have done in years past. They signed Josh Jackson, who obviously his career had not turned out the way you would have hoped for the number four overall pick in, the, in an NBA draft. They brought in Dennis Smith Jr., and now he's playing and has a guaranteed contract on the Portland Trailblazers. So they've taken swings on guys year in and year out, and 
I mean, you, you could even consider Hamadou Diallo one of those guys. You could consider Frank Jackson one of those guys. Came in on a two-way deal, played his way up to the main roster. I mean, Troy Weaver, this is something that is not new to him. Taking a shot at some of these guys that aren't necessarily proven yet and seeing what happens. And it's hit with guys like Frank Jackson. It's hitting right now with Hamadou Diallo. It's worth a shot on Bobo. And I think maybe he, he provides some value to Detroit. I agree. Uh, let's just I'll quickly hit on the downsides of Bull Bull and the things that, you know, could very quickly make fans turn on him. Um, he's not been consistent defensively. Uh, and, and this is the really the big thing that's, that's the reason why Nuggets fans were, for the most part, happy to let him go and happy to see him go to Detroit. Uh, he's not a guy who likes to pass. There are a lot of clips of Bull Bull getting a rebound, dribbling up the court, ignoring everybody else, and just pulling up from three, which is cool when it goes in, but insanely frustrating when you're trying to run an NBA offense. Uh, he'll do showboaty stuff. I believe it was one of the Van Gundys ripped him apart uh, a couple of years ago for, for doing like a behind-the-back pass in the middle of a game. It just was just dumb. Uh a lot of people have, you know, come out and said that he's not a very good locker room presence. He's not been happy with his role in Denver or I guess lack of a role in Denver. He's not even played 350 minutes in, in two and a half years in the league. So there is definitely downside here. I don't want to just paint it as something where it's like, oh, the Pistons got a complete steal. They got this great player for nothing. Like that's that's not what happened here. Uh, they got a flawed uh um, player who had absolutely used up all of his goodwill in Denver and they traded very little for him because, well, frankly, he's not worth very much right now. So I, I do want to temper expectations for Pistons fans when it comes to Bull Bull. He's not going to be able to come in and, you know, be the answer for them on either end of the floor. But of course, the upside is there. It costs you very little. Um and like you said, Aaron, this is Troy Weaver's MO at this point. He's taken a shot on a lot of different guys. And, you know, he's about 50% right now, which is great. You will take that. So hopefully Bull Bull ends up being one of the wins. He ends up being one of those Frank Jackson type cases. Um, and if not, whatever. It really did not cost you anything of value. So I'm a fan of it. Um I don't really have much else to say. I, I'm just excited to to watch him play for the Pistons and see how he fits into this lineup because even the people who have watched every Denver Nuggets game over the last three years, they haven't seen much of Bull Bull either. So he really is a very much an unknown commodity uh, among, you know, non-coaching staffs. No doubt. And the Pistons will have about half a season to integrate him. Uh, they're right near the halfway mark of the year at is it eight and 30 or I think it's nine and 30 now. So they're 39 and 30. And, um, so they got about half the season left, which is about the same timeline. Dennis Smith jr. Had uh, same with Hamadou Diallo. So we'll see if anything can happen for the 20, 22, seven to 22 year old, seven foot two player uh, out of Baylor. Wow. That was a mouthful. And I think it's Oregon. It is Oregon. <laughs> is I didn't want to, I didn't want to correct this is why you. I don't host Mike, please come back. Uh, Mike, we need you. (laughs) 
Well, let's move on to topic number three. I think we can go a lot of different ways here, but I just want to talk about the NBA trade deadline, specifically for the Pistons. The trade deadline is on February 10th. It's January 11th at when we're recording this. It's good. The podcast will drop on January 12th. So we're just about a month away from the trade deadline. I don't want to focus on Jeremy Grant in this discussion because we've talked a lot about that, especially in the last couple of podcasts and with the article that just dropped on palaceofpistons.com today about that. So I kind of want to remove him from this conversation as much as possible. If he gets brought up, fine, that's okay. But I want to try to focus on a couple different things. And I guess let's first start with outside of Grant, who do you think are some of those guys on the roster that will be drawing interest and are somewhat likely to be moved by the Pistons before or at the trade deadline? Well, I, I definitely think uh, Corey Joseph is a candidate to be moved. They just have so many guards on the roster. Uh, I could also see them holding on to him just because they did move Magruder. And, you know, they it's clear that they do value having some veteran presence on the roster, especially Corey Joseph. The coaching staff continues to rave about him. And it should be said, he actually had a a really good game last night. He hit some huge shots for the Pistons um, made up for a massive Josh Jackson gaffe towards the end of the game by, by hitting a, a big three pointer that pretty much put it out of reach for the jazz. So I think Corey Joseph is definitely a, a candidate to get moved. Frank Jackson is another guy. I mean, teams are always going to be looking for shooters. Uh, we've seen that with Wayne Ellington. We've seen that with Reggie Bullock. If you can shoot the basketball, teams are going to want to to take a look at you because everybody could always use more shooting. So I wouldn't be surprised to see either of those guys move. I think, unfortunately, at this point, it just has to be said. I don't think he would ever be the focal point of a trade, but Killian Hayes also has to be in that conversation. I could see him being thrown in as part of like a Jeremy Grant trade. I know we said we weren't going to talk about him, but I could definitely see Killian Hayes being something to kind of sweeten the pot as part of a deal. Uh, maybe you do something with like the Blazers for mm, you do something like Killian Hayes and Jeremy Grant for CJ McCollum and Anthony Simons. I, I don't know if that's like a trade that could actually work. I'm just throwing it out there. So I could see that those are some guys that, that personally I see being expendable. Um, Trey Lyles might be another one of them as well. Now that bull bull is on the roster and they are going to be getting back uh, Kelly Olenek, you know, that, that power forward rotation is, is starting to get a little bit tight. Yeah. I, I think Corey Joseph is the obvious name that comes to mind. I mean, he did have a phenomenal game last night hit a, some key shots down the stretch. And, okay, so the P Pistons fan base has always had a pretty sour taste about Corey Joseph, but I think everyone kind of understands that he's actually, like, a decent player. They just would rather not see him on the court over someone like Killian Hayes, who he ended up getting a lot of minutes over at the beginning of the year. So he he has value, and he's been serviceable this year, but I think – with Kate Cunningham really settled in now, he looks like a point guard. Saban Lee is up from the G League, and it doesn't look like he's going back down this year with the way he's performed. I think, and you do still have Killian Hayes on the roster, and he is still your starting point guard as of now. There is enough playmaking and ball handling there. 
and Detroit knows that maybe in one of these deals, they open up a roster spot. They have a guy down in the G league that if they really needed to have an extra set of hands, an extra guard on the roster, they could bring up someone like Derek Walton jr. Um, I think Corey Joseph is a candidate to be moved. Absolutely. Even if Detroit ends up getting something like a second round pick in return or a pair of seconds or something like that, just to get some sort of value for him, because I think they know they have enough young guard talent on this roster to move forward with that. If they can get any sort of asset for Joseph, they probably should do it. He is a good locker guy to have around. He's absolutely made an impact in that locker room. You see him communicating, talking, teaching a lot of the young guys every time out there. It's something that you really do see. They always end up showing him on the camera, on the bench, talking to either Killian or Cade or somebody. And you can tell that he's instructing them. And, you know, he definitely seems like a great guy to have in your locker room as an NBA vet. But you're at the midway point of the season. You know, you're going to be at the trade deadlines. You're only going to have a couple months left of the regular season. That's at a point where then you can afford to say, hey, with 25 games left, let's move on. Let's go add a couple extra draft picks. Or maybe we take a swing on another young player. And I think Corey Joseph is the prime candidate. I think Trey Lyles could potentially be moved. He's on a pretty friendly deal. He does not play defense. He just doesn't. Yeah, you'll see a highlight here. There, I think it is one of his few blocks of the season the other night against the Magic. But other than that, he is a turnstile on defense. Offensively, he can do some things. I, I think he's a fine player, but I just don't think he is worthwhile for Detroit, especially with Kelly Olynyk coming back and yeah. Jeremy Grant coming back and you traded for Bull Bull, I think there is enough there with Diallo as well, who's playing the four and playing his best minutes all the year at the four. With everyone coming back, I think Lyles is a guy that you absolutely should kind of in the same light as Joseph. If you're getting a pair of second-round picks or something for him, go for it because you have enough guys to absorb his minutes. He's kind of served his purpose. You're not part of the long-term plans anyway. That's a guy that you can afford to move. I like Frank Jackson a lot. I would not be looking to trade him if I were the Pistons. I think he's a guy that, like you mentioned, every guy, every team wants players like Frank Jackson. And as the Pistons try to build a more competitive team, it would be nice to retain him. But if there is that, for some reason, good offer that comes your way, I'm not sure if you're going to get that from a, a contending team because in most cases they can't afford to give up a good player and they probably don't have a good draft pick to trade for someone like Jackson, who's going to be able to play minutes for them. But if you get that offer, fine, take it. But Jackson is a guy that I'd like to keep. I'm really not sure what else the Pistons might do. I do think I would, I'm absolutely open to the idea of trading Killian Hayes. I don't know if the Pistons will. And this was something I was thinking about last night. I'm not sure what kind of value Hayes has around the league right now. Because obviously, you know, he's in the starting lineup with Detroit. But is he starting on many of the teams, other teams around the league? The answer is probably not. And has Hayes done enough on the court to register value? I mean, I am one of the biggest Killian Hayes believers. He was the guy that I wanted the Pistons to take in the draft. I said Killian Hayes, and this is really not smart for me to say now because this was you know, two and a half years ago, whatever. I said, Killian Hayes may be my number one pick in that draft. Oof. 
I was a huge believer in him. But at some point, you have to be willing to admit your mistakes and move on. And I'm not sure if we're at that point with Hayes yet. He is starting to play a little bit more aggressive, but the shots aren't falling. So I don't know if that matters that he's throwing stuff up at the backboard because he's getting more aggressive. I don't know if that is is valuable in any stretch of the imagination, but he's a guy that I'm open to dealing as well. And I didn't think I'd be saying that a year and a half in where he's only played, you know, 50 or so games, but that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Kate Cunningham looks like he's ready to be a lead guard. I think the easiest way for the Pistons to win is to pair shooters around Cade, get some more athleticism out there. And I don't know if Killian Hayes is the right guy to, to, to play alongside him. Yeah. I mean, look with Killian at this point, it, what you're believing in is the skill set. It's, it's not the production uh, because you can see the tools for a really good player there. He just hasn't put it together. And I, I think, you know, I, I think that it's, you can have the, the ability to recognize both things are true that he hasn't performed, but that he is still talented and there is skill there. And there is definitely the building blocks for a really useful uh, NBA player. You're hundred percent right, Aaron. I don't think he would start for a single other team in the NBA. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think there is another team that I could see him going into their guard rotation and being a starter. Um, so yeah, it might just be time to move on and it is what it is in that case. You know, I don't like giving up on young players, but sometimes also it's the situation a guy is in. It might be the coaching staff is not the right coaching staff for him. It might be the city's not the right city. The fit might not be the right fit. You know, it is what it is. And uh, we saw that with Cam, you know, campaign where he was one of, if not the worst player in the NBA for the first three or four years of his career, went overseas, came back to the Phoenix Suns, and now he's one of the best backup point guards in the league. So, look, even if you do trade Killian Hayes, even if he's part of a throw-in, it doesn't mean that his career is over. It doesn't mean that he's not talented. Um, but as of right now, like you said, Kate Cunningham looks ready. And if you're going into next year's season, having traded Jeremy Grant, maybe having traded a Corey Joseph, acquiring more picks – uh, you come in, you have like a Paolo Banchero, you have or a Chet Holmgren or somebody like that on your roster. You have a lot of money coming off the books next year as well. Don't forget the Pistons have about a max contract to throw around in free agency if they so wish this offseason. So there's a chance you're bringing in another, you know, maybe not a plus free agent, but another B plus a minus type free agent. Somebody in that, you know, Jeremy Grant kind of vein uh you're pairing along with whatever you get in a trade for him so there's a chance the pistons are looking like say charlotte or the cleveland cavaliers are this year where you go from being very bad one season to taking a really really big leap in the next one just because things kind of work out in that way um so yeah i'm with you I, I want to go on the record as saying I was always a LaMelo ball guy and uh, I will never admit my mistakes uh, as well. So that's, that's all you. <laughs> no, I, I, a general rule of thought for me is to not give up on a guy, you know, 50, 60 games into his career, but it might just also be, he needs a change of scenery. There are plenty of guys that that happens to. There are also plenty of guys that develop at different rates and end up turning into much better basketball players in year two, year three, whatever. I mean, Darius Garland for that Cavs team that you mentioned had a really rough first year and then kind of figured it out 
in year two and is now killing it in year three. He's a near all-star level player. I think he, if he gets an all-star nod, it's well-deserved. Now, I don't think, I don't know or think Killian Hayes has that same type of, you know, production in him, but I just, I thought he was going to be a valuable basketball player. Um, I guess I'll leave it at that with him because I could talk about what has happened with his career so far for an hour. I mean, I could talk about all these topics for an hour. So that's kind of where I want to leave it on him. Is there anything else that you think is necessary to talk about before we wrap up this week's show? You know, it's interesting. The Pistons are what four and nine without Jeremy Grant. They're five and 21 with him. I just think that's kind of interesting. Very interesting. When we come up on this trade deadline, that is rapidly, rapidly approaching. Yeah, it's it's going to be here before you know it, and we may or may not get the opportunity to see the Pistons at full strength before it. Um, My but- guess is we don't. I I I would not be surprised if Jeremy Grant has played his last game for the the Detroit Pistons, just based on the timeline of his of his injury. There's so yeah. much smoke. I think there's got to be fire. I think I think we might have seen the last of it. So we might not ever really get to see the, the the lineups that we were expecting at the beginning of this year, Aaron. No, no doubt. I mean, the the original timeline should in theory slate Grant to be due back at the end of the month or at the beginning of February, but odds are that probably it probably doesn't happen on that exact six week timeline that you're given. I was going to say, we're into what week, week nine of Kelly O'Linick's six week injury. The the funny (laughs) thing is it was, it was said privately when it was announced, it was announced as like a six week injury. It was said privately that it was actually more of a nine week injury. So uh, I'm not surprised that he's been out longer. Um, But yeah, the timelines never are really anything to hold your, hold your car to, because that's not always, and it's not usually how these things work out, but if we didn't, or if we did see Jeremy Grant play his last game as a Piston already, it's unfortunate we won't really be able to see what this team could have done at full health. Not that they were going to shock the world and make the playoffs, but I was interested in seeing the different type of lineups that could work with Cade and Jeremy and Sadiq and Kelly and now an improved Hamadou Diallo, who was playing great minutes at the four. I just, a lot of different stuff uh, that I feel like could have been done with this team, even though they still would not have been a playoff team. but. The trade deadline, February 10th, we're going to have plenty of more discussions on it throughout the next month on the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll probably get some stuff on it on palaceofpistons.com as well. I already started today with my piece on Jeremy Grant. Don't forget to check out Mike Mike's piece on Sadiq Bay that came out last week. Again, Mike, we missed you on the show. We know you're listening, so uh, we are excited to have you back next week. Let's etch that in stone right now that the trio is going to be back, but If that's what we're done talking about for this week, I'm going to wrap it up from Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Thank you so much for listening to the palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by the belief podcast network. And thank you to our sponsor Bet online. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.